Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely remember to join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And when you're joining in the conversation, remember to use that hashtag ODPH. Let us kick off this episode recapping this past week's Mandalorian. Episode 3 of Season 2, or Chapter 11, The Heiress, had a lot of mystery behind it. Uh We were waiting to see one character get revealed. We were surprised with another. Yep. So we are going to be talking spoilers. Uh You have been fair warned. So pause the episode if you don't want to get spoiled. I don't want to hear about it like you guys were talking about it. I didn't know about it. We're telling you right now, pause the episode, because we are going to deep dive into it in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Greatest episode they've done yet. Holy shit, this was incredible. They definitely brought it with this episode. Uh-huh. Was marking out, much like I did with episode one of the season when I saw The Man, The Myth, The Legend, Boba Fett appear, this one definitely ramped up the hype, because we talked about last week. Last week was a good episode. Uh-huh. Not great. It was good. Yeah. I mean, a little more horror aspect to yes, it, but yes, nothing really to yes. say, okay, wow, like, oh, my God, this person's here, and I recognize this one. No, we didn't have that with this mm-hmm. this past week's episode, we, or the last week's episode, but this past week's, oh, hell yeah, we did. Uh-huh. Because now we have the Mandalorian and Frog Lady, as yep. she will be defined, yep. finally arriving at Trask. Mm-hmm. So she's now reunited with her husband. Yep. Baby Yoda is not eating eggs. The internet is calming down. Yeah. And then... Things get a little crazy. Yeah, so they limp more or less to the to the planet because, as we remember from last episode, Chip was a little damaged. Uh, he crashes into the uh, like. I, I love that part about the opening where like he's like, "All right, this is going to be bumpy. Strap yourselves in." And then he, he's got he's trying to bring it in as best he can, and he's got the you know the tower controller or whatever going. Hey, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. You need to slow down. So he gets pulled out of there, but yeah, he he reunites the frog leader with her husband. He then, you know, the the husband is thanking him profusely, and he goes, "Oh, hey, you know, thank you know whatever." Uh, he then asks him. He says, "Hey, I'm looking for more of Mandalorians, more of my kind. You know, can you point me in the right direction?" And he sends him to this cantina, and and the you know waiter or whoever comes up and t- goes to take his food order, and he says, "Oh, nothing for me, but bone broth for the child." And he goes, "Well, you need to order something. You can't just sit here." He goes. How about some information? I need to find more Mandalorians. Can you can you help me out? He goes, yeah, that guy can help you out. The guy uh, comes up to him, and basically he goes, yeah, listen, I know where some more are, but it's across this lake or ocean or whatever it is, and we're you know we got to make a fishing trip and head in that direction anyway. So you know you'll come with us. So uh, he he gets on the boat and he goes off with them, and that's where things turn south very quickly. Yeah, because as we find out, everybody in the galaxy is still looking for him, and yeah. they recognize his armor. Yeah. So once they recognize the armor, all bets are off. He's well. And I think they I think they want the armor too. It's they, they it's not it's they recognize the armor for what it is and what it's made out of Baskar. Uh, but I think because I I missed it the first time I watched the episode, but the second time I rewatched it, one of the crewmen made a comment about. 
you know the price Beskar would fetch on the black market, yeah, or something. So they that's so they might or may or may not have recognized the kid, but they definitely recognized what his armor was made of and knew what it, the, the price it would fetch. Yeah, the focus was basically on him. I mean, not so much Baby Yoda, which was kind of a surprise because mm-hmm. obviously everybody is looking for those two. Yep. But the armor was what really stood out, and it definitely caught some eyes before they took off on the boat. Mm-hmm. One of which was a person that we have known as WWE fans, as Sasha Banks, who uh-huh. we finally made her debut. Yep. Didn't know what character she was playing. Nope. But we did find out very quickly once the trap was set for the Mandalorian, he was, quote-unquote, eaten alive by the fish, which mm-hmm. and I just had flashbacks to Return of the Jedi to me. Yeah. Did not like that. Yeah. Not like it one bit. But he winds up getting saved. By not one, not two, but three Mandalorians, mm-hmm. and one of which, after this great fight scene happens. Oh, yeah. You have, you have to give credit to their stunt crew about this, because it was a great fight scene. We find out that the leader of this crew is one Bo-Katan Kreis. Kreis, yep. Kreis, yep. Played by one and only Katie Sackhoff. Voiced by Katie Sackhoff in the Star Wars Rebels television series. The best thing about Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say about the show because I'm not a fan of it. But she is awesome. So it, and she really got people hyped uh, because I forget what day it was. It was like Wednesday. Or, no, it was like Thursday, I think it was. It was it was some point uh, middle or middle early last week where she tweeted out, is it Friday yet? And instantly fans went, oh, oh, is, is she going to be on the episode this week? Because the Disney and, and Lucasfilm have been keeping these episodes very heavily under wraps to the point where... Episode descriptions and titles aren't posted online until the Monday after they air. Yeah. Which is just bonkers. I mean, like, I'm sitting here looking at, you know, the Wikipedia page for Mandalorian, and the ep- the remaining episodes of the season are all TBA. All that we know for certain is who's writing them, and the only two directors listed are the next two, which is next week is Carl Weathers, and the week after that's Dave Filoni. Yeah, it's kind of a weird setup how they have it. But They're very secretive. But as they should be, yeah. because we don't need everything spoiled on the internet. No. I, I know that we live in this day and age where we have to know now everything. Oh, we'd like to. We'd like to, but still, we don't need everything spoiled for us. So the mm-hmm. fact they've been really careful about what they've been doing and how they're setting everything up is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. But once we get the reveal that... Uh, Bo is now leading her team of right. uh, quote unquote Mandalorians. Yeah, no, it's, it's Mandalorians. They're wearing the armor from. Uh, well, she, uh, the character first appeared in Star. I got to correct myself. The character first appeared in Star Wars Clone Wars uh, in season four or five. I forget which one it was with the group Death Watch, which it was. It was this group of people on that were uh, exiled to the one of the moons of Mandalore, the home planet of the Mandalorians. Uh, they were they were a little radical in their thinking, you know. weren't exactly, you know, at the time, Mandalore was a peace peaceful people. They were, you know, uh, what what's the phrase? Um, pacifists. Okay, they were they were pacifistic, you know, and and the the Death Watch wanted to bring back the old ways. They were like, oh, listen, we want to bring back the warriors and this and that. She was a member of that group, and and we didn't see the face just because, I, if I remember right, they couldn't get the render done in time. Mm. So we didn't get to see the uh, Bo-Katan's face until I want to say it was Star Wars Rebels. Uh, but she was voiced by Katie Sackhoff. And so the armor they're wearing is from the uh, the, the uh, Death Watch Mandalorian set. You know, now, obviously, if you remember Clone Wars, the group split. There was a, there was kind of like a civil war. One side went with Darth Maul. The other side was like, no, we're, we're sticking with this. So she's still rocking the armor, but... And, and maybe using that to her own ends, but definitely going her own way about things. Yeah, it was definitely a cool moment to see. And obviously seeing her appear as Bo-Katan, 
uh, was great. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, like I say, I'm a huge Katie Sackhoff fan. And then seeing, we know Sasha Banks was playing yep. Koska Reeves. Mm-hmm. And X Wolves was an old friend from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Simon Cassandides. Mm-hmm. So it was very cool seeing that three yeah. get together. Yeah. And then we finally get a little more information about what they're doing because they're trying to get more help in taking down an Imperial fighter mm-hmm. or a freighter, yep. should I say. Yep. For And in exchange, they're going to help the Mandalorian get more information on the Jedi because that's where he's trying to basically get Baby Yoda back to. Right. So this is kind of this little you help me, I help you. Scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah, which, you know what, we didn't need really much more of a detailed story because we just figured out, okay, the Mandalorian is very skeptical of this group because when the helmet comes off, mm-hmm. he freaks out. Oh, yeah, and I was very intrigued with this because I know a lot of people, Star Wars fans online were kind of pointing this out to like, and there were even memes made about it on some of the Reddit of uh, Star Wars meme Reddits, where it was like, "Oh, you know, we Mandalorians don't take their helmets off," and then it was like every other Mandalorian in the cartoons that took their helmets off. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, are we about to address this? Are we about to fix this supposed plot hole?" All yeah. right. And you know what? Perfect way to do it. Yeah. No, they did. They they explained it that you know he he's a child of the Watch, and they're kind of this like uh, extremist you know uh extremist religious view on things like very old school want to go back to the old school ways whereas then you know things nowadays are a little more relaxed yes so obviously they are still in their beliefs and they're focusing on reconquering mm-hmm. uh, mandalore they just want to get back to some semblance of having a home yeah it's 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 a very simple plot which you know what i loved because i do know a little bit about it but i'm not as detailed as you are mm-hmm. so for me to kind of sit back and watch i'm going okay you know what i get this and yeah. i like it so I was on board with it, so obviously when they're making their plans to run to the str- to the ship, uh, an old friend is kind of instructing the the captain of said uh, ship to basically, if you lose the ship, you know what to do. Mm-hmm. And an old friend makes Gideon. Mm-hmm. Moff Gideon, yeah. Moff Gideon, rather. Yeah, basically says, oh, is it the same crew as before? Yeah. Uh, how far are they? Uh, they're, they're in the cargo hold. He goes, yeah, no, ship's lost. You know what to do. And, and you could just see the kind of the sweat building on the two pilots' uh, faces. They're like, Oh shit! This can't be good, and yeah. they're dead. Yeah, because you see the four Mandalorians. Wow, that's so weird saying. Mm-hmm. Going through and fighting their way to the front of the systematically. Ship. Yeah, which it's, it's insane. It's absolutely amazing. Like I say, the stunt team and cannot be complimented. Oh my god! Yeah, no, top notch. Yeah, I mean they really developed this you know whole high stakes heist mm-hmm. to a T. Oh my god! And there's even with you know. Uh, the Mandalorian just joining them for the first time. Obviously, the, the other three are very seasoned in their well-oiled machine. I mean, you see it a lot in, in other shows and movies where, like, you know, if you've got a group of people together, it's like they know each other's thoughts and what it, what they're going to do. But he fit in so seamlessly with this that it was it was incredible to watch. Yes. So once they start getting in there and taking over the ship, and obviously Gideon is given his orders, you mm-hmm. lost the ship, you take it down. Yep. Bo-Katan is really trying to save everything, and she is very adamant about trying to find out the whereabouts of the Darksaber. Because she, last we knew, now before uh, Moff Gideon showed up with it last season, she was the last one we knew that had it. Yes. Was that, because uh, in the lineage of it, it was with uh, Pre Vizsla, uh, who we saw one of his descendants or cousins or something in season one. Uh, of the Mandalorian, he was he showed up uh, in the underground bunker hold. Uh, you know, he had it, and then it passed on to Darth Maul, and then it ended up in Rebels, where what was it? Sabine had it for a while, but then she gave it to Bo to Bo Katan to be the because whoever rules that has that rules Mandalore. She was the last one we knew that had it, and that now Rebels takes place right up to when uh, Rogue One t- starts. 
Uh, so there's a great bit of time where something happened and she doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. I, hope, I hope we find out what happened. I think we're definitely going to find out about it because mm-hmm. obviously as she's trying to get information from the captain, the captain kills himself because he will not betray the Empire, mm-hmm. which we've seen time and time again with the Empire. So once the stakes are raised in that aspect, the Mandalorian team does save the ship before crashing. Bo-Katan is very happy that everybody has survived. The mission was a success. Offers the Mandalorian saying to join us. Mm-hmm. But he says no. Yeah. Which I wasn't su- super surprised at. No. But the door was left open to revisit this team later, mm-hmm. which I loved. Uh-huh. Because I think they're definitely going to do it. I I think so, too. Yeah, maybe not this season. but No. But I feel like the hornet's nest, is it's it's been nudged. You know, so so the the hornets inside are a little pissed off. The, 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 in this case, hornets being the empire, mm-hmm. I feel like that hornet's nest is going to get knocked off its tree limb at some point and come crashing to the ground. And if you've ever seen that happen, you know what happens next. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt actually going off the reaction of this episode. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a Bo-Katan spinoff show mm-hmm. in a, could be. in a small one one and done type deal, like could a couple be. episodes. Could be. I'm just saying. I know there's I, been rumors of an Ahsoka Tano spinoff show. Well, funny you mention her because Bo-Katan met, tells the Mandalorian, well, if you're not going to come with us, I say you go meet up with Ahsoka Tano. I marked out. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I, I know, Jedi. Uh, you go to the city of Caladan, you know, on the planet or the forest planet of Corvus and, and meet us and find and meet up with Ahsoka Tano and tell her I sent you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think it's happening next week, though. No, I think we're going to tease it one more episode. Yeah, because next week, as I mentioned, is uh, directed by Carl Weathers. Uh, the week after that, episode five, which is November 27th, is written and directed by Dave Filoni. Ahsoka's his baby. Yeah. Ahsoka is his project. It's his whole thing that he has done for the better part of his Star Wars tenure. I get the feeling that's when we're going to see her. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree because once they part ways... The Mandalorian picks up Baby Yoda from the Frog family. Mm-hmm, which I love when he left the, the Baby Yoda with the family. He goes, behave yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, it's just a cool play on words. Uh-huh. I mean, for as much controversy as that yeah. caused. Yeah. They Obviously, this, the episodes have been filmed ahead of time, but mm-hmm. was, you know the whole thing was supposed to be meant in humor. So yeah. you have to keep that in mind. Dark humor. Yeah, it's very dark humor, but it's Star Wars. I mean, there is elements of that throughout the entire lineage. Yeah. So anybody yeah. that was freaking out about that, it's like, have you ever watched the sh- movies before? Yeah. Just putting that out there. But the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda do get back in the Razor Crest. Oh, my which God. Which appears like it was duct taped back Holy together. Holy shit. He should get his money back on that job. He's like, and I love it. It's basically, it looks like it was just duct tape and glue. Oh, yeah. And, and not even good glue. And he's like, I gave you a thousand credits and this is the best you could do. And the guy's just like, yeah. Yeah, he just brushes it off. So they do take there's off. Like, there's like fish nut or something on the inside of it. It's like, good God. Oh, yeah. It was the most hodgepodge uh-huh. mess ever. Yeah. Like, yep. To put it mildly. But yeah. it was just a perfect way to end the episode. A lot of high action. A lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of great takeaways. So final thoughts on the episode, Pat. Great episode. I, I love what I saw. I cannot wait to see what happens next week, especially since Carl Weathers is directing. Got an interesting tidbit, though, because uh, Sasha Banks did a, a very big art, uh, interview with Variety okay. uh, and touched on a lot of things. Obviously, her run with WWE, but it did get into a little bit of Star Wars. Oh, okay. uh, they asked, uh, quote, I have to ask you about your role on The Mandalorian. That has gotten to be such a huge deal for you. How did you get on the show? Uh, after exp- 
paragraph about how she's excited and she couldn't believe it. She goes, quote, so John Favreau came to me because he watched an interview that I did on Hot Ones. That's that YouTube show where you, they get celebrities and, and actors. Eat the chicken wings, right? the chicken wings, they get progressively hotter. Uh, so he saw her on that and goes, uh, and he really liked me and got my contact information. Then on FaceTime, he asked me to be part of The Mandalorian. I was like, well, I cannot say no, but I was so incredibly nervous because I don't didn't know if I was going to be able to do it with w, the WWE schedule. You know, we used to tr- uh, used to travel a lot, but they made it work and everything happened. And it was such an incredible episode. I still just can't get over how awesome that was. Not only to be uh, be part of Star Wars, but one of the one of legit the greatest episodes in the history of television like that i could watch that all the time that was such a badass introduction to the world of star wars i'm so thankful i saved baby yoda i cannot get over it oh my god yeah it was right on i mean mm-hmm. nothing wrong there no it was very cool to see when she came on there definitely fit right in yeah because you know sometimes when you see wrestlers make that crossover yeah sometimes it, it's, it works and sometimes it don't yeah and she was flawless mm-hmm. so i was super happy about this and obviously seeing katie sackoff back yeah read about it super super excited about this episode can't wait to see where they go next week yeah. though, though my my gut instinct is we might have a little filler I, well and i think we might get uh carl weathers character back and then gina carano's back as well because i mean we're f- gonna be four episodes in now and we still haven't seen or heard of them right so hey i mean anything is possible and even mm-hmm. even a filler episode is not a bad episode no. i don't want to write it off like no. that but coming off such a, a high win for this one mm-hmm. it's gonna be anybody's guess what we see next week Hit us up on that hashtag, though. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this past week's Mandalorian episode? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend? Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? Or the Rum Runners Podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at RumPod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk Fear the Walking Dead. Uh-oh. Oh, you know I love this series. I don't want to say love, actually. That's probably a strong word, but I really enjoy, you enjoy it. it. I enjoy it. Episode one I loved. This one, as the season going on, so hit and miss. Uh, okay. I will say it's, it's kind of descended a little bit, kind of picked up here and there. But we are now getting into the episode before the season finale because it is midseason next week. But they did have another installment of the anthology style where they focus on one character and really deep dive into her. 
or him rather, and we have a little more background about what is going on with the character of June, played by John Elfman. So I'm going to be talking spoilers about episode six, bury her next to Jasper's leg. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to, I'm telling you right now, pause the episode because I'm going to start deep diving into it in three, two, one. So the episode opens up with June trying to save some people that uh, basically are not in the best of shape. Mm. That obviously she having the nurse background, she's with Sarah, who's kind of her bodyguard during this as they're now running a mobile clinic to help some people. And during this opening, she's trying to save a man whose appendix exploded. Mm. So how do you think this is going in the land of the zombie apocalypse? Uh, not well. No, definitely not well at all. And she has to use makeshift anesthesia, i.e. give him alcohol so he doesn't feel anything. And she's trying to makeshift operate on it. Mm. Now, normally I'd be like a little more critical about this, but you have to take in perspective. It's a zombie apocalypse. They don't exactly have the internet working. So right. you can't exactly go WebMD and find out how to do this. And you should not do this either if you're not a professional. I'm just going to tell you right now. Obviously, this goes as bad as it can be. She winds up losing him. As she's cutting him open, he dies on the operating table and immediately goes into zombie mode. So there is that kind of that little battle to save save herself. Sarah winds up saving the day, obviously lose the patient. And that's kind of how this really tips off that June is trying to make a difference in the zombie apocalypse. She's reunited with her ex-husband, John, who has had a very, very rough episode. If we recap about his episode, The Key, mm-hmm. where he's basically trying to escape the, tr- the clutches of Virginia, but it's not exactly working. It's the murder mystery that happened, and he's very overwhelmed with the guilt of Janice dying. So during this whole mess, he's trying to tell June, we need to leave. We have to get out of here. This is not the place to be. During this whole back and forth, they have this very heartfelt moment of you know, reconciliation mm-hmm. and you know, seeing what's really happening. They get interrupted by Luciana, who's telling them about there's a disaster at Tank Town. Now, I had to kind of do a little digging into this. And when Virginia came to this group of survivors, one of them was saying how that they could uh, harness oil. Mm-hmm. So they'd have some resources to move around and travel during the zombie apocalypse, which is a, which is a very big move mm-hmm. because you obviously need to do something here. So when this explosion is happening, John and June are sent there. Virginia meets up with them after Virginia has an opening where she finds yet again, somebody spray painting. The end is the beginning. Mm. So we have this opening where she's trying to find out this mystery. And she's actually genuinely worried about this Mm -hmm. because it seems like it's popping up more and more and more. And she doesn't know what's going on. And then deep dive into, okay, I don't know what this is happening. I'm having a mutiny on my hands. I have to take care of this best I can. And while she's trying to strong arm information out of somebody from her camp, the person actually kills themselves as she steals a gun because Mm. she doesn't want to talk about this group. So that's kind of like how they get into this whole bury Jasper's leg. So you're seeing this episode, there's an underlying theme of Virginia is trying to get answers Mm. and is definitely not working in her favor. So it's something that Colby Hoffman has been, or I'm sorry, not Colby Hoffman, uh, Colby Minfi has been doing a very good job with this about uh, just really portraying how she's supposed to be stoic like the governor, so to speak. Like, that's the easiest comparison I can make, Mm. but not in the same, like, craziness sense. But she's feeling this overwhelming, like, I must protect my people at all costs. Mm -hmm. And she's really kind of losing her grasp on it. So once the pioneers are seeing this and they're seeing that all these, the end is the beginning is is starting to come to town, she's starting to see the threat is showing up. Ah. More people in the town are kind of figuring about this, too. 
So once she starts deep diving into what is going on, they're basically doing a massive investigation and trying to figure out, okay, at Tanktown, somebody else is found to be connected with this group. Mm. And while Virginia is really trying to torture him, and like I say, strong arm is, is a very understatement for what she's doing. Because Wes is one of the people that is injured about this, who's uh, one of the past ca- characters on the show. Uh, Virginia is almost killing him, but June stops him. Mm. So during this whole ordeal, there's more explosions going on because with the disaster going around in Tanktown, if there's fire at a gas uh, um, plant there, mm-hmm. Pat, what do you think is going on? Uh, huge Michael Bay-like explosions. Yes, but on a smaller version because it's AMC. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but they don't they don't got Michael Bay budgets. But it is going on. They are seeing that there are some zombies showing up. In fact, at one point, Virginia and June are trapped. Oh, and there is a zombie there that does try attacking June that has razor blades taped to their finger. Yeah. So it was kind of like a fake out that June got cut. Right. Because once you see the zombie's hands, because I thought she got scratched and she's bleeding, it's like oh crap, something's going on. Mm-hmm. It turns out there was razor blades, but a few minutes later, Virginia is fighting off one, and she gets her hand bitten. Mm. So this is where I, I don't want to say, like, I felt this was a letdown in the episode, but how many times through the regular Walking Dead have we seen a character get a scratch or a bite and they cut off a limb? Uh, probably, uh, I think, not super frequently on the show, I feel like, but it happens every now and again. Yeah, like, more so. Like, it's a recurring thing. Yeah, theme. yeah. And so seeing this happens, I don't know exactly how I felt about this because I was like, do we really need this to happen here? Right. Because uh, obviously it's a spinoff show. I get it. It's different, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of was like, oh, let's see what kind of din- dynamic is happening here. Because once she's bitten, she's asking June to cut the hand off. And June is hesitating mm. because June is seeing the way out. Mm-hmm. That where John was saying we can leave and run away and escape and we'll never be caught and we can start over. She's almost entertaining the idea of letting Virginia die to do this. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think the episode had a strong moment because you have the moral complexity happening, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. And ultimately, they do this fake out to go to commercial yeah. where they come back and you hear like an axe hit. So you're not sure if June kills her right. or what happens. But you wake up and you see that the hand is cut off. So June chose to save her because Virginia has now agreed to give her her own hospital. Mm. So there is that that payoff because she was toying away with the idea of I want freedom for John and I. Mm. But she ultimately went somewhere else with it. And it was kind of a very interesting play that she did because early in the season, she or in the episode rather, she was spanking on going with them. And they were taken off. So after this happens... Tanktown is no more. I don't want to say a happy ending because, let's face it, it's The Walking Dead. There's never a happy ending. There never is. They'll fake you out and make you think you're getting a happy ending, but just kidding. Right. June has this meeting with John, and June says, hey, Virginia's going to let us have a hospital. I can stay here with the group. We can start over. We can do this. And John is saying, you can't trust her as far as she can. Th- you can throw her. Mm-hmm. She's not trustworthy. She's trying to sell this whole idea about this other group coming in to invade, and she's just trying to protect her people. But it's BS. You need to leave. And June is saying, no, we need to stay. We need to do this. So where they end this episode, and I thought this was a very well-played move, is they're driving in separate cars. Mm-hmm. So in the mobile hospital, you have Jen or June, rather, 
with Wes, you have uh, Sarah, Luciana, and a couple other characters. Like, if you really follow the show, you know who they are. Like I said, they haven't been featured much this season. Mm -hmm. In his own car, John is there. The roads veer off. The hospital uh, goes one way. Okay. He goes the other. Uh Uh-oh. Just drives off. And John basically says, I have to do this on my own. That he just is, I'm escaping now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting out before it gets worse. So overall, I have to say, I like this episode. Yeah. I thought there were some great character moments. I didn't like seeing, though, the hand cut off deal again. Because mm-hmm. to me, that's that's already played out. Like, you're doing so well at trying to make yourself stand out away from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Why are we taking a plot hole that they've used recurringly and adding it here? Was it necessary now that she doesn't have a hand? I Like, I it just didn't really think... It added that much to the story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, for me, it was just like, okay, I really don't get this. Because you're now seeing her break down. And obviously, Virginia is trying to deal with a lot going on with an invading threat. And where they tease the midseason finale is her sister Dakota is missing. Mm. So, the buildup is now finally here. I'm expecting some big things to happen next week. I think that we're going to see that. And I think that this season is definitely... I'm lowering the grade a little bit, okay, but I still think it's better than what we've seen on The Walking Dead by far, and by far and away way better than World World Beyond. I'm sorry, World Beyond to me is like the longest prequel mm-hmm. for the Rick Grimes movie, which is just a weird way to go about it. Oh, it is. No, it, it just is, and like a lot of stuff on there is too. I'm sorry, it's too telegraphed mm-hmm. that you see stuff happening. They're tr- like to not even do a spoiler. I'm, I'm going to keep a spoiler free about this. They're trying to do like a who done it, sure. Where they're at. And it's so telegraphed that unless they wind up pulling a, a complete 180 on everybody and make it somebody completely unseen, mm-hmm. you already know who did it. And it's like, uh, to me, that just feels lazy. I don't know. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I've tried making it through. I haven't been discussing it on here because I'd rather talk about fear. And fear has had its moments. This episode, like I say, had some great character moments between John and June. After that, though, you can kind of take it or leave it. It's just they had some big action scenes. Uh, I thought it was very inventive, though, with the appendix operation. Yeah. Because you don't really think about that in the zombie apocalypse. No, definitely not. No, and what I thought was also very interesting is the taped razors on the one person's hands. That's just twisted. Yeah, which for especially for turning zombie, I don't know if that was beforehand and like that was intended to be. Right. If so, and this group is for real, this whole end is the beginning it's anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely locked in for next week. So definitely hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Have you been watching Fear of the Walking Dead? And if so, what did you think about this past week's episode? Bury her next to the Jasper's leg. What is your vibe going into this mid-season finale? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry then tune into the cheers to comics podcast three times a week as i brian wayne raise a glass to this wonderful wonderful industry that is comics cheers 
This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, Pad, it is an end of an era this Thursday night. Mm-hmm. On the CW, the quote-unquote last ride is happening Yep, for Sam and Dean Winchester. Supernatural is taking its, I'm going to put an asterisk by it, final bow, mm-hmm. ending their 15-season run. One of the longest on TV. 327 episodes. Ooh, first episode, uh, September 13th of 2005. I remember them promoing the hell out of the show because while I've never seen like a full season or like the entire show, I've seen a couple episodes because, you know, it's replayed a lot during the day on uh, TNT. Mm. Uh, and, and usually when I'm at the gym, there's at least a couple TVs on TNT uh, and, and reruns are on almost constantly when I'm at the gym during the day. It, for me, was an introduction into the whole vibe of the CW. Sure. Now, when I was challenged to watch this uh, by a few coworkers, actually, mm-hmm. I had never really paid much attention to it. And it just came out on Netflix, and everybody's like, yo, you really got to watch. You can catch up by the season starts. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll start barreling through it. So you get sucked into the land of Sam and Dean Winchester, played by Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles. And you immediately get hooked. Like, for what it is about the family of monster hunters, mm-hmm. which, like I say, you laugh now. But once you get involved into it and you see how their whole family line is involved in this and it goes escalating to a war between heaven and hell and just yeah, everything I mean, in between. Yeah, I mean, just reading the description off IMDb, Sam and Dean Winchester were trained by their father to hunt the creatures of the super, hunt the creatures of the supernatural. Now, their father has mysteriously disappeared while hunting the demon that killed their mother 22 years ago. It sounds hokey when you just read that. Oh, yeah, it does. Like, when you read that, you're like, what am I watching? Uh-huh. But once you tune in, you get really sucked into it. Like I said, for me, I was like, I, I hammered through the first three episodes, and before I knew it, I was watching then in season one. Mm. And I will say this, for being that kind of crazy show, mm-hmm. they have really taken these characters and gone somewhere with it. Like I say, you had Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing the dad, yep. John Winchester. You had, obviously, the boys, Sam and Dean, Jared mm-hmm. Pilecki, Jensen Knuckles. You had Misha Collins, who stepped up and really stole the show and actually became a, a third member of the family, so to speak, yeah. Castiel. Oh, yeah. You had, obviously, Jim Beaver playing Bobby Singer, who is the father figure mm-hmm. to the boys as well. Obviously, when they just had a couple seasons ago, they brought back Mary Winchester, played by Samantha Smith. And you had, obviously, you have good, but you have to have evil. And nobody did it better as Lucifer than Mark Pellegrino. And Crowley, probably my favorite character in the entire show, played by Mark Shepard. You hear these characters and you're like, you're talking about Lucifer, Castiel, angels, devils. Like, what the heck is going on? They really set a bar to say, if you have creative writing and creative acting, Mm -hmm. you can accomplish a lot. And it really speaks to just how creative and and kind of the, the broad range they were given to go with the show. Because for as long as it's gone on, you would have figured that something like this would have sputtered and just kind of like fizzled out, you know, maybe season eight, season nine. You know, something like that. But the fact we're sitting here at season 15, I've not heard one fan say that there's a dip off or there's a drop off or, oh, they really should have ended it, you know, multiple seasons ago. They all love the hell out of it. 
You you do. You get really locked in because the one thing I think they really did well is for as much as a season goes, and about 22 episodes each, mm-hmm. they really stretch the plot out where the story continues. They can dip off and do these little solo episodes, which, sure. which some are great. Uh, some really go completely in a wild direction, i.e. the Scooby-Doo episode. Because that is a real thing. That uh, did, yeah, that, yeah, I remember hearing about that. That did happen. I mean, the monster at the end of the book, which they kind of did a little play on uh, a book series that was based off two brothers hunting demons and mm. the fan base that follows them. So it's kind of like a little you know tip of the cat to the fans. Sure. And they have some great episodes like that. They also have some really bad ones. I think the worst one, and I'm, I'm this is not a recommendation by any means, is Bugs wow. and Wendigo. If you watch those episodes, you'll have some feelings about it, trust me. But like I say, to have that kind of volume where you have a main plot line, you can dip out a little bit here and there but still continue the story, and their season finales were always epics. Mm. They really made you feel like the big fight feel, you know, we always talk about. Mm -hmm. You had those with this show, and they never really took their foot off the gas. Like I think, as you touched upon, the fans really never felt there was a drop-off, and Mm -hmm. I, I do agree with that. I think if they ever wanted to end it, they should have ended it at season five. Okay. Which I'm not meaning in a bad sense, but season five's finale was arguably their best episode ever. Okay. So it's uh, titled Swan Song. Okay. That was the best episode I think they've had because it really felt like the season finale. And if I'm not mistaken, Eric Kripke, who has been the longtime producer of the show, had even said that they weren't sure they were going to be renewed. So they wrapped things up like it was supposed to be, if I'm not mistaken. And that one just really sold it home, and it had one of the best endings, too, which I don't want to spoil if you haven't seen it. Because I'm going to say, I highly recommend you have time to binge watch. This will be enough for you to binge watch. And there, I know it's going to be a quick flip over to get back on Netflix, too, with it. Uh, so you can catch up on this season if you've missed it. They, that episode is just perfect. And the fact they kept going, and I wasn't really sure they were going to be able to pull it off, they do. In in my opinion, in the 15 years they've had the show pad, Mm -hmm. one bad season. Season 9, the Leviathans. Leviathans are straight hot garbage. Mm. I'm sorry. That is the worst one. You can talk to any Supernatural fan. They will tell you the same. It is just, it is bad. It's there's no other way to describe it. It's just that in the entire season. I don't want to say season nine, but it is awful. Uh, I did some digging uh, on according to the uh, Wikipedia page for the episode you mentioned, Swan Song. Uh, it says, and under the production tab, it says, "quote Showrunner and series creator Eric Kripke originally intended this episode to be the series finale, as he envisioned the series as a five season show. In August 2009, however, he stated that he was quote looking at this season as the last chapter in this particular story." But that doesn't mean there can't be a new story. Buffy did it. The X-Files did it. You close a chapter on a big mythology story, and then you begin a new one. Close quote. Uh, Since lead actors Jared Padalecki and Jensen Eccles were contracted for another season, and also due to the show's good ratings, the CW renewed the series for a sixth season on February 16th, 2010. Uh, Executive producer Sarah Gemble replaced Kripke as showrunner. So yeah, no, it did appear that at least in his head when he was writing it, that it was going to be the series finale, but then just things changed. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. Like I say, it ended on that strong of a note. It's like when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was done. Right. And I'm not going to say that Season 6 episode or uh, Supernatural was the same as Season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. But you could understand like the, why they went on. And obviously, they, they definitely told a good story. A lot of back and forth, though, because they really started getting away from the monster hunting, which the family was known about. Sure. And it started to turn into literally a battle between heaven and hell. 
you had the main characters get killed off so many times. It's I like, I haven't seen in, in, you know most of the show. Even I know that's a running joke that they're going to get killed. Yeah, Sam and Dean were killed off. I don't know how many times, and that's not even a spoiler because you know what you see him pop back all the time. So the fact that you see promos for the series finale and they're both still there. Yeah. And it's just a wild thing that they do. But you got to remember the context of the show, too. And especially for the CW, which inherited this when it was the WB, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, no, it was originally on the WB because uh, I forget, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember when it sw- uh, switched over to CW. But no, yeah, th- this is like this shows like the last holdout from the WB uh, television channel era. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so wild to think that they've made it this far. They haven't had a real drop off. I mean, mm-hmm. they've had some great filler episodes like we touched upon. The Scooby-Doo one always stands out to me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they did one where they did an homage to uh, old 1980s TV shows and Grey's Anatomy when they had the character Archangel Gabriel, who they wrote in, like Mr. Mixoplex. Yep. Uh, when they did him, and obviously, you had like an alternate reality where the the brothers were in Grey's Anatomy type deal, mm-hmm. and then there was like the deal with Kit because their car, the Chevy Impala, is like another member of the show. Right. In fact, they did one episode where the it was shot from the car's perspective, mm. which is a very cool take on it. Like you wouldn't think that it would work, but it did. It wasn't anything that you were like, oh, I don't know what I feel about yeah. this. Yeah, uh, dug it up. Uh, the CW made its debut on September 18th of 2006. Ah, so it is a holdover. Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah, it's uh, because the show premiered in 2005, so it's it's literally the last thing left over from the old WB. Yeah, how crazy. Like, I'm saying, I, I'm still blown away by that. That's just like the take home for me for this, mm-hmm. is that you had a show that was the forefront of the CW is now ending the stories have gone. Well, I mean, it kind of took the mantle because you remember Smallville for the longest time was like the biggest well, thing. Well, it was the flagship, yeah. It was their flagship. And, and I remember, like I said, watching Smallville because I was, you know, into Superman. Wasn't necessarily into the whole premise of monster hunters and, you know, vampires and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I remember them advertising the hell out of it leading up to when it premiered. And if I remember correctly, the, 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 premiere episode was right after Smallville yes. because Smallville at the time was their highest rated show so that you know get the big audience going into it but no yeah once Smallville ended its run in 2009-2010 or 2011 somewhere in there you know Supernatural became the new flagship yeah and it definitely carried the banner yeah. as far as it could and especially for being on a network for this long mm-hmm. it's uh, it's unheard of in this day and age it's especially being something that is scripted it's it's you know kind of like an old school TV show it's not variety you know so it's so it's not like a Mary Tyler Moore show or, or something that you know you, you get something different every week and it's not a reality show that they do they can just pump out seasons like it's candy mm-hmm. I mean the only thing comparable nowadays you could say is what long Law and Order. Law and Order, yeah. Law and Order is up there. Um, I'm sure MASH obviously ran for a long time. But in terms of like modern television, what we know today, it's kind of Law and Order is the benchmark. Yeah, and it's obviously wild to think that this show has made it that long, but it's a testament to the fan base, who is one of the most passionate fan bases out there. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the Supernatural fan base is the real deal. It is something I've seen at cons. I've been to a couple panels for them, and they are very loud and very vocal, which is what you want to see as a fan. Mm-hmm. And you definitely go there, and you can interact, and there's so many stories about it. Everybody has their different favorite moments, their different f- characters that they they love. I mean, some people love Lucifer, some people sure. love Castiel. Sure. Like I said, for me, I'm a big Crowley guy. I think he was amazing on the show. and just You have to watch to really just truly appreciate when they go through the this, this stories. And they introduce more characters over the time of the years. 
And obviously, they've had like a plethora of people too. I mean, Felicity Day has been on there playing okay. the character of Charlie, and she was a very quick fan favorite as well. And just to see where you know she's gone and how her storyline ended mm-hmm. up. I mean, they have just done so much with the characters they've had come through, and you get so connected to them that when they actually do get killed off and they do stay away, mm-hmm. it really does have that moment where you're like, oh wow. Because even though they can bring people back easily, and like yeah. I say, between the two, the two brothers, they've died like a hundred times each. They have had characters that have stayed dead. I mean, obviously, the biggest one for me that did was Bobby Singer, who was like I said, their father figure after uh, John Winchester uh, left the show. Mm-hmm. And when he got killed off, that was like whoa, like because yeah. he'd always been such a fixture on there, right? As well, and obviously to see where they're going now is anybody's guess for the season finale because they're going to tie up loose ends. The, it's going to be a two-hour finale on the CW. So the first hour is going to be a retrospect okay. from all the cast and character or, cool. you know, actors and actresses. And, yeah, I think it's a very cool thing to do because they definitely are that connected with their fan base. Yeah. And I will say that to have two stars stay on a show this long yeah. is almost unheard of as well. Like, yeah. you got to touch upon that. Yeah, no, it's. I've, I mean, I'd have to do some looking, but I can't think of anything I've ever seen that i gone this long. But then, B, they were on for that long, outside of, like you said, a Law & Order type of thing. Yeah, 327 episodes each yeah. between Eccles and Ed Leckie. Mm-hmm. And they made a commitment, too. They wanted to get to episode 300, and then they were going to kind of see what happened there. Sure. And they, they stuck to their guns, too, about it. In fact, episode 300 is when Jeffrey Dean Morgan came back to pay him a visit. Right. So, I mean, that was a very cool episode. And you've had a lot of faces come and go from the show, too. Mm-hmm. But they've always been more than willing to return and make an appearance, whether it's a ghost form or however it, it plays out in the story. But there's always just something about the Supernatural family that it draws you back in. Yeah, I did some looking. Uh, like you mentioned, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Eccles, both on 327 episodes, respectively. Uh, you flip over to Law & Order, uh, the only folks that even come close to that are sam watterson who was on 368 episodes of uh law and order from 1994 to 2010 uh and then uh s ipatha murkerson uh who was on 391 episodes of law and order that from 1991 to 2010 and then over on the flip side for law and order svu which because that's been going for quite a while too that's been going since 1999 yeah uh you've got uh Hargitay, uh, who's been 481 episodes. She's been on what practically every friggin' episode, it appears like, or darn near. Uh, Ice-T has been on 459 of them, and then you've got Dan Florek, who's been on 331. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy to see that two actors, especially the leads, uh-huh. have stayed on this long. I yeah. mean, in comparison, like I say, Law & Order is the only show that can really touch them. Yeah, and, and especially in this day and age where, let's face it, you know, People, the actors and actresses feel they've they've run the end of the, of the characters. They will, they want to move on to other things. They want to move on to other ventures. You know, they've turned down some ventures that would have been really good or really fun for them or maybe huge for their careers, but they stuck with the show. So to have two actors, you know, stick in their lead role for this long and and just do it for the fans is it's really unheard of. Yeah, especially with the material that they do. Because let's face it, we've touched upon it. You read it at first and you're like, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Let alone for 15 years. Yeah. But they made it work, and to tell the simple story of two of a family of of monster hunters and mm-hmm. two brothers that carry on the legacy, and how they get intertwined in so much more, and the show goes in so many different directions, yeah. is a true testament of why the show is important. And that's why we really are t- making a point to talk about it this week because going into the season, the series finale, I have no idea what to guess. Mm-hmm. 
Jensen Eccles has already hinted that they're going to come back in a couple of years. Not on, I C- not on CW, but he said maybe HBO Max or yeah. Netflix or something like that. I, b- I believe it because uh, CW is 50% owned by CBS and 50% owned by Warner Media, so I could see it. Oh, and definitely would make sense, too, because yeah. these guys love playing the characters. But oh, yeah, and, it, and it's one of those things that like I can totally buy just because, all right, they've been doing it for day in and day out for 15 years. Let's t- you know, it's it's like with you know other show, uh, baseball, you know, Theo Epstein is left the Chicago Cubs, and he said, you know, Oh, I'm not taking a job right now because this is going to be the first summer in 30 years that I haven't done anything with baseball. You know, I can understand it for those two guys. Like, hey, listen, we've been doing this day in and day out for 15 years. We want to take a break, but that itch is going to come back. Oh, it's definitely going to come back because we know that Pedlucky is going to be part of the Walker Texas Ranger spinoff or reboot that they're. I did not even know they were doing that. Yeah, interesting. It was. It's been long rumored, and he was the face connected to it. Oh, okay. I I think it's still a go, but obviously, COVID is. Can he do a roundhouse kick though? I'm not going to say he can't. I mean, obviously, he's fought Lucifer <laughs> many times, and, and he can hold a Colt to his face. So, you know, hey, he does what he does. And I know Jensen Eccles is filming right now season th- uh, three of The Boys. Okay. So I know he's a part of that show for mm-hmm. – um, well, I don't want to do any spoilers for that, but for however long that uh, is going to happen there. Mm-hmm. So I know that they're going to be doing some other things and then obviously coming back. But, I mean, the legacy for Supernatural, though, you have to say is taking the material you're given – connecting with a fan base that never gave up, mm-hmm. never tuned out. I mean, the ratings have been fairly consistent throughout 15 years. Who else can say that? That's It's wild to think. Like I say, it's, it's gone in waves. I mean, it, was it ever Walking Dead level? No. No. But it has always stayed consistent, and it's always been the flagship of the CW. And no matter what characters you connect with, no matter what episodes you do, whether you like the real funny stuff, like we talked about the alternate t- TV show, the alternate uh, Scooby-Doo episode mm-hmm. or the real serious ones where you have, uh, you know, like I said, Bobby Singer's death. You also had Ellen Joe, which abandoned all hope. When I mean, you see that episode and, and you get connected to these characters, even though how minor they are. Yeah. And it still hits you when they get killed because you know for certain that only Sam and Dean have found a way to survive all this time. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you don't. Or maybe see- it was all just a dream sequence. Oh, if they pull a new heart on this, I'd be so pissed. There are going to be a lot of pissed off people. No, I, I think what happens, honestly, is they do a simple case and they drive off in the Impala. That makes sense. And then they leave it at that, which I don't think would be a cheesy way to end. No. But I think it would make some sense. And they got to play some Kansas, too. If you've never seen the show, Carry On My Wayward Son is like the theme song. And they play it a lot. You, you hear a lot of sticks. You hear a lot of 70s rock. It's a very cool thing to do when you hear him on the show. Sure, And sure. obviously, I got to give a quick plug out to our good friend Tyler Mack on the 30 Nerdy Podcast. He's been doing a spinoff uh, recapping the Supernatural series. Cool. On the road so far. So definitely check that out if you want to get some more Supernatural fix in your podcast player. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Supernatural is coming to an end. Its legacy stands as one of the most memorable shows on TV. For being a show that should have maybe been canceled early, they found a way to make it new and fresh and exciting for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Can your favorite TV show say that? Let's have that conversation, shall we? Hit us up on hashtag ODPH. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, this is Tom from Tom Joe Lou, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. Now I don't want to know, and I don't even think I can. 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to kick off those one-shots, Pad. Got a few things to talk about. First of all, I want to thank Warner Media for listening to the episode last week and partially getting their head out of their ass. Get them, Pad. Because after 174 days, I have to partially stop the count, count up, but I'm not stopping it. But after 174 days... HBO Max is finally on Amazon Fire TV. Uh, so this can, this is courtesy of an uh, article uh, from businessinsider.com, uh, which reads, quote, Warner Media announced that the HBO Max service will finally be available on Amazon Fire TV starting, uh, this is yesterday on the 17th, uh, nearly six months after its launch in May. The streaming service has been embroiled in months-long months negotiations with major uh, CTV providers like Amazon Fire TV due to content disagreements, and it's still noticeably absent from Roku. Roku and Amazon Fire TV are the two most popular CTV devices with 100.2 million and 72.7 million users this year, respectively, uh, per our latest forecasts. We estimate that Roku will capture 48.6% of the U- of U.S. CTV users in 2020, while Amazon Fire TV will garner a 35.3% share, thus reaching deals with these providers could make or break situations for streaming services. So it's like I said. They're sitting there whining and they're moaning and they're groaning. We don't know what's going on with the subscribers. They're not where we want. Hello, the proof is in the pudding, folks. There you go. I'm thank uh, thank you, Warner Media, for listening to the episode and partially getting your head out of your ass. Uh, that being said, I still got to keep the count going because it's still not on Roku. And according to Roku CFO Steve Loudon, uh, this is according to an article from Deadline. Uh, there is no real update. Uh, he's which the article reads: "Quote Roku CFO Steve Loudon in an online appearance Tuesday at the at an RBC." Capital Markets Conference said he didn't have any specific update on the company's discussions with HBO Max, but said, we continue to talk to folks. So he said, quote, we generally don't talk about uh, where we're at in deals, uh, but we continued to talk to folks and our goal is to have all content on there. Similar to the Peacock situation, we're not always first, but we've got a very good idea of what the market is and how much we how much value we can create. We've got the biggest, most engaged user base in the U.S. And so hopefully we can get a deal done. Close quote. Well, they got to get it done. Uh-huh. It's egregious they haven't got it yeah. locked in yet. I'm sorry. Yeah. But they should be listening to you, Pat. Pat, you should be going to, say, Warner Brothers. Send me a free cut year me a subscription. Check. Yeah, cut, cut, cut me a check. check. Cut. I've, been, I've been telling you, you're, you're sitting there and you're doing multiple interviews and it's reported on multiple sites that you don't know You know the, the subscribers aren't where you're liking to be. I'm telling you what you need to do. Yeah, it's right there in the it, plain as day. Right there. Uh, switching over to some other stuff. It, it was announced uh, by Jeff Keighley, the uh, nominees for this year's Game Awards, which are taking place uh, on December 10th. It'll be live streamed probably on YouTube and Twitch and other stuff. Go to GameAwards.com to keep track of where it's going to be uh but the nominees were announced i won't go through every nominate every category but just some notable ones okay uh game for game of the year your your uh nominate nominees are from nintendo animal crossing new horizons from id software doom eternal from square enix final fantasy 7 remake from sucker punch ghost of tsushima from super giant games hades and from naughty dog the last of us part 2 Christ Almighty, that's going to be a tough category because those are all fantastic games. That is a very tough one. Oh, my God. I'm going to go with Ghost. Yeah. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, it's going to be Ghost or, or Last of Us just because I, I haven't been able to play Last of Us 2. I haven't had time. But I know everyone's reaction is like they get to the end and everyone is in tears. 
I have heard that from a friend of the show there, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Kira there was, yeah. was, was talking about it. Yeah. And she was mentioned, she's like, very polarizing opinions mm-hmm. about that ending. Yeah, and I know some people are going to be sitting here going, wait a minute, why is Among Us not nominated for Game of the Year? Listen, it's a great game. Came out in 2018, so yeah. it's not eligible. Uh, next up in the uh, best game direction, uh, you have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, and then The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, for best narrative, best narrative, you have 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghosts of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part II. Uh, for best art direction, you have uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghosts of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, uh, and then The Last of Us Part II. Uh, and then last one I want to mention, uh, best performance, because Christ Almighty, this is again another one that it's like murderer's row, figuring out who's going to win this one. Uh, you have Ashley Johnson, who played Ellie in The Last of Us Part II. Laura Bailey, who played Abby in The Last of Us Part II. Daisuke Suji, who played Jin in Ghost of Tsushima. Logan Cunningham, who played Hades in Hades. Mm. And then Najee Jeterm, who played Miles Morales in Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. That is another category, which good luck. I think they will give it to uh, Last of Us. Could be. I I could see one of the two actresses. Could be. Now, we should know, uh, like we said, uh, the uh, awards ceremony does take place on December 10th. It'll be live streamed. Uh, it is a fan vote. This isn't like some back room like the Oscars or the Golden Globes where it's, you know, it's 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 a fan vote. You know, yeah. so the the uh, voting is currently up. If you go to thegameawards.com slash nominees, you can go through and you can vote on uh, who you want to win. Uh, so definitely check that out. I know I'll, I will be tuning in just because Game Awards are real fun. You know, it, it's kind of a loose atmosphere. Uh, a couple of years ago, you had the voice actor who plays Kratos and then the boy who plays uh, his son from the God of War uh, 4, I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, they went out to give an award on stage. And if you look up the clip on YouTube, I can't do it justice. It's so damn funny. So they go to they announce the, the nominees for whatever award they were given out. And then the uh, guy who voices Kratos goes, and the award goes to... And there's a long pause and there's a long pause and there's a long pause because the kids got the, the, the envelope and he just pauses and he just looks and he goes, read it, boy. Yeah. And then and the audience went nuts. There's trailers debuted. So it, it's definitely something to check out if you are a fan of uh, all things video games. It's definitely something to check out. I mean, obviously, award shows are kind of a weird thing to me, mm-hmm. though, you know. But mm-hmm. but I think for video games, it's like you want to go there, you want to have fun. Like, yeah. You know, they are serious. Sure. I mean, they're, oh, they're yeah. know whether to do, but it's basically fan service for the fans. So you yeah. know, tune in and check it out. Yeah. Also, in video game news, I got to check this out when I get the chance. It uh, came out yesterday as we record. We got the new up uh, DLC for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. This is uh, a new Power Awakens episode two. Uh, this one is basically if you've seen the uh, Dragon Ball Z film. Uh, Resurrection F, which is the one where Frieza comes back and they turn Super Saiyan Blue. Okay. Uh, which is what everyone... The first one was the fr- uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, Battle of Gods movie, essentially. Uh, so everyone figured, all right, well, next one's going to be this. No, we're, we're, I think they got another one coming, so no real uh, word when that's going to come out, but I do got to check this next DLC out because I'm super excited because Dragon Ball Z Kakarot's a great game. Dragon Ball Z is your thing, man. Uh-huh. I, I, I've seen you play it many times. It, yes. it, I, I'm not as well-versed. Sure. It, but it definitely looks dope. So. Sure. Uh, also, sticking with the video games, there's an Oxford University that if you are if you play video games and you got somebody in your life telling you, I oh, play too many video games, cite this study is the reason why you should keep playing video games. According to a, a university study from Oxford, uh, th- this study suggests playing video games is good for your mental health. I believe it. Uh huh. So this is uh, according to the Guardian. Academics from the UK University used gameplay data from Animal Crossing's New Horizons and Plants vs Zombies: 
batter, battle for Neighborville in the study using psychological questionnaires to find that more playtime led to a greater sense of well-being in players. Uh, this is one of the first instances of researchers using real playtime data rather than asking subjects to report their own hours. Quote, this is about bringing games into the fold of psycho psychology research that's not a dumpster fire. Lead researcher Andrew Pris. Chris Blicky explained the study showed that you're a much happier human being. If you play four hours a day of animal crossing, but the team doesn't want to give games a quote carte blanche pass. As a result, I'm very confident that if research goes on, we will learn about things that we think of as toxic in games and we will have evidence for those things as well. Close quote. So if you're sitting there and you got your mom or dad or wife or whoever in your life is going, get off the switch. You're playing too many, mm -hmm. too much animal crossings. So be like, Hey, listen, I'm helping my mental health here. Yeah, this is definitely something that I know I've been doing a lot more lately. Uh -huh. Obviously, I've been hooked on Avengers. Right. I, I've been making a big deal on social media about it, but I, I've been really getting suckered into it, mm -hmm. and I can definitely tell my moves better. Yeah, and it, it's definitely one of those things, like, I, I can attest to this, like, if you had a rough day at school, work, life, whatever, just go home, pick up something that you don't really got to think about, you don't got to put too much thought into, you can just sit there and play, you'll feel a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, switching over to some movie news. Uh, it was announced uh, last week that surprise we got a surprise casting or somebody joining uh, the Suicide Squad. That being one Sylvester Stallone. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. So this is according uh, to, well, James Gunn himself. He put out a tweet back on the 14th saying, quote, Always love working with my friend at the Sly Stallone, and our work today on hashtag the Suicide Squad was no exception. Despite Sly being an iconic movie star, most people still don't have any idea what an amazing actor this guy is so sylvester stallone's going to be in suicide squad in some capacity i hope he's superman oh, that'd be incredible just make it a really odd throwback i i'm that would be incredible yeah i don't know what character he could play i mean james gunn has had his whole playbook of uh -huh. everybody in the dc yeah. that he wants for the yeah. most part and and suicide squad's a real tough one to do because if you do the classic lineup they already have uh -huh. that pretty much figured out uh-huh so I don't know, man. I'm gonna be stumped. So I'll I'll say Superman just to say Superman. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see it. Uh, also, sticking with some movie news, uh, this one no surprise if you if you've been uh, reading things uh, or paying attention. Chris Pratt was announced that he's joining the cast of Thor: Love and Thunder. Okay, well, the, no, no brainer. No brainer. Uh, he is of course Star Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy. But this makes sense if you remember the end of Avengers Endgame, you know, because it's been a few years. Uh, Thor was last seen on the Guardians ship going into space, so presumably part or most of this movie could be the As Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll say. Uh, sticking with the Guardians of the Galaxy theme, though, uh, the, the, the script is done according to James Gunn. Uh, somebody asked him back on the last week on the 9th of November, uh, quote, have you started on GOTC, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, yet? Any kind of planning going on, or is it all Peacemaker for now? Uh, he quote tweeted this and said, script is written and most of the production heads have been hired. Okay. This man is like has like Dwayne Johnson levels of, of work commitment. He does not sleep. Hey, you know what? For those two big franchises, everybody's very highly anticipating. I don't really think you have time to sleep, but you know he's definitely going to want to send that franchise out on, the, on a good note for Guardians. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, this one really jumped out to me and a lot of folks my age. Uh, this is according to an exclusive from Variety. Darkwing Duck is making a reboot is making in the works at Disney+. Plus. Oh. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is according to the Variety.com article. A duck quote, a Darkwing Duck reboot is in early development at Disney+. Plus. Variety has learned from sources. No writer is currently attached to the project, but sources say it will be executive produced by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, James Weaver, and Alex... McCaddy of Point Grey Productions. McCaddy will oversee the project for the company. Reps for Point Grey did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. Disney uh, declined to, 
to comment. So, of course, we all remember Darkwing Duck was created by Tad Stones and ran from the early part of the 90s, 91, 92. Uh, three seasons and 91 episodes. It was on Disney Channel, ABC, and it was eventually in syndication. Very much a staple of, of kind of like the 90s afternoon, Saturday morning cartoon lineup. And I cannot wait to see this come back. Everything's coming back that was old that is uh-huh. now new again. So, uh-huh. and Dark- so, many, so much good stuff in the 90s is making a comeback. Yeah, and I, I'm not mad about this at all. No. Darkwing Duck was always an entertaining yeah. cartoon, so you yeah. know what? Bring Everything, it on. Everything's coming back. Let's not forget. Animaniacs comes back this week. Oh, God, I cannot wait. Yeah, I was going to mention that for one-shots uh, for mine, but hey, let's go right into it now. So this coming Friday mm-hmm. on Hulu, yep. those Animaniacs are back. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, so we have Yakko, Wacko, and Dot returning to go absolutely crazy. We saw the trailer at New York Comic Con mm-hmm. uh, doing the Jurassic Park introduction, uh, which was absolutely epic in its own right. It's going to be great, but I, I really am curious, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm really curious how much they're going to be able to get away with because they got away with a lot in the original run. Well, here's what you got to remember, though, too. They had answers to censors that's on true. Fox. Oh, yeah, that's true. So now you're on Hulu. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go completely yeah. oh, no, no. You know, crazy. No. But. No. But. I think they're definitely going to push the envelope a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Pinky and the Brain are also going to be returning. Oh, so, so good. Classic characters of just absolute zaniness. Mm-hmm. So can't wait to see it when it pops in on Hulu this week. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to be an, a fun one. Yeah. And talking about shows debuting, too, this Friday, as we were recording... We are having some new Marvel content come to Disney+. Plus. That is true. Marvel 616 is debuting. Mm. So this is a documentary series that is going to be held by a different filmmaker each time. And it's going to be basically showing how Marvel interacts with pop culture Mm -hmm. and fans. And it's it's a very cool uh, trailers that we've seen touching upon a lot of different fandoms from cosplay to... Uh, just pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be something that you definitely want to tune in and check out. So it'll be dropping Friday. So if you're going to be watching The Mandalorian, and why wouldn't you? This is going to be something right up the alley, yeah. too. So definitely stay tuned for that. Like I said, the trailer is out right now. I definitely recommend going to check it because it is. it looks absolutely amazing. Like I say, they touch upon so much about being a fan with Marvel and just how Marvel is so grounded with being in New York City, too. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like that reflection that the MCU is so grounded with its fans and Mm -hmm. really trying to connect with them as well. So something worth checking out. Also this week on Disney Plus as well, something that we didn't talk about, it's dropped, but we haven't seen it yet. If I say Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, yeah. How you feeling, Ped? Hey, which version are we talking? Are we talking the god-fucking-awful original one from the 70s, or are we talking the new one with Lego that looks actually pretty decent? The latter, my friend. Yeah, I will say, if you haven't seen the Star Wars Holiday Special, I dare you to try and watch that goddamn thing. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Oh, yeah. It's fucking awful. Um, and I say that as a diehard Star Wars fan, you know, uh, but no, yeah, the Lego Star Wars special came out, uh, yesterday as we record, I haven't seen it yet. I've you know, I'm ex- I'm excited to see it. I've heard good things about it. Uh, the only thing that jumps out to me is I looked on IMDb and I saw Billy D Williams is back as Lando Calrissian. Uh, Anthony Daniels is back as C3PO. And he said, he'll uh, side note. He said, he'll retire that character when he's six feet under. So we're getting a lot more Anthony Daniels as long as I'll have the character. Hell yeah. You know, Oscar Isaacs is back as Poe Dameron. Kelly Marie Tran is back as Rose T. Uh, but most notably, uh, Daisy Ridley is not reprising the role of Ray. And I know they try in the in these instances to get an actor or actress that sounds as close to the person as they can. Yo, this ain't this ain't it close. Mm. It, it, it's a British female actor or excuse me, actress. But 
oof, it, it's it's painfully obvious it's not her. Or maybe it's just me as a Star Wars fan. I can tell it's not her. It, it, it's tough to say. Like I said, I haven't got a chance to hear it yet. I saw that it came out, and, I mean, obviously my reaction with Star Wars Holiday Special is why. Well, I mean, why? The premise from the trailer I've seen is that they go to celebrate Life Day. Life Day is still involved. The clip I saw on Facebook the other day is Chewie's family is still involved. They're on their way. Ray goes off and finds something, but then ends up like the the item she finds. She ends up time traveling through the the very the previous Star Wars films and Star Wars stuff. Because I know from the one trailer that dropped, uh, the Mandalorian and the child are going to make an appearance. So it look mm. it looks interesting and it looks really cool. Yeah, it's something with Lego too. It's going to be a real fun mm-hmm. show. It's not going to be taking itself obviously no. serious. And I think they know with how egregious. The original holiday special was it aired once, and I don't mean it just aired one year. It aired literally one time, and then never again. Yeah, enough said about that. So obviously the bar is set very low. So this can only yeah. go. This can only get better for us. You're it. not so, wrong. Yeah. So that is obviously, like I say, it's out right now on Disney Plus. So you want to do some binge watching? That is going to be something for you. If you're one, and if you're one of those nut jobs who's already in the Christmas spirit, you can go watch that. Oh yeah, be right up your alley. Uh, talking some more TV, it was announced that the CW has a new Wonder Girl show in pre-production from uh, Greg Bertolani's studios. Really? Yes. Now, this one is not going to be featuring Donna Troy. Okay. This one is going to be featuring the Wonder Woman that was announced for DC Future State, Yara Floor. Okay. So it's going to uh, reading the article via IGN. The CW series is notable for both starring the first Latina superhero and also being based on a character who hasn't officially debuted in DC Comics yet. So, this is going to be something. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know if this is going to tie into anything that is with the quote-unquote Arrowverse. If it's going to You'd be have f- to figure, because they just united all the universes. Why the hell would they start another show with a separate universe? I want, I want to say yes, but here's the thing that Cause, I... Because I, I, just to jump in quick, there wasn't there a mention in a previous season of Arrow or Flash of Themyscira? There was. No, so it, there it, is that in. No, it was in Legends of Tomorrow. That's what it was. But this is where I'm saying is the maybe, because this is based off Future State. Oh. So this, the, we, this is Uncharted Water. Oh. So... I understand what they're trying to do with Future State, and if you're not too familiar, I know we haven't deep-dived into it on the show just yet, is DC is doing this flash-forward coming in early 2021 of all their books. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have new Batman, new Superman, and obviously the stories will explain themselves. Mm -hmm. So we are having a new Wonder Woman that is coming out. Um, So the only thing that we really know from, like I said, the description I'm reading now via IGN, uh, Yara Flor is a new Wonder Woman in the upcoming future state. She is an Amazonian warrior and Brazilian river god who takes up the mantle of Wonder Girl. Diana, is, Prince, is still around is the, in the future as an immortal Wonder Woman in a separate series. Hmm. So that all being said. Interesting choice. Yeah. I think, Especially I, like I can understand if it was something they already did and they're basing it off of stories that have already happened. But for something that isn't even out yet. Very interesting. I, yeah, I think so, too. I think it's great. I, I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued by it. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't know what to expect from Future State. Right. I know there's a lot of fan talk, depending on who you want to speak to about it. Some people are very excited about it. Some people are very like, I don't want to hear anything about it. I know that obviously this ties into the whole 5G notion that came out a few years ago that Mm -hmm. the the books were going to be restarting again a la New 52. So this whole project is going to be something brand new, but I like seeing brand new things. I like seeing more diversity in my superheroes too. So I'm super excited to see when this show comes out. Like I say, I don't really know what to expect. I want to read the comics first to get kind of an understanding. 
but I'm on board for this. And for the CW, obviously, we're into a new era post-Arrow. Mm-hmm. And who knows how long The Flash is going to be going for as well. We do know that Supergirl is on the last run it's going to be on. And then for the other shows, it's kind of a state of flux, too, because yeah. we, we don't know. The only thing is we know for certain is Superman and Lois is still coming. Right. Batwoman is coming with a new character that just got introduced in Batgirl. Mm. So there's a lot of change going on with the CW universe, but I am okay with that because I don't mind change like that. However, flipping the coin, the change that I will kind of have a little issue with is something that just happened in Fantastic Four 26 that kind of broke. Okay. Now, if you know anything about the first family of Marvel Comics, they have one of the most powerful children in all the universe, mm-hmm. one Franklin Richards. This is true. At one point, rumored to maybe be Galactus down the road. Like, it's a weird story. It happened way back when. They haven't really touched upon it. I'm going to leave it alone. But he's always been known as an Omega-level Mutant. Mm-hmm. So in this set issue that came out, uh, it turns out that he is actually not a mutant, and his powers have basically been camouflaging himself to be a mutant. Right. So when he deals with Professor Xavier, who is trying to bring him to Kuroka, uh, he can't get through because, well, he's not a mutant. Whoa. And this is now exposed. So the fact that his powers have basically been able to camouflage his genetic history with everybody and retconning everything you've kind of teased with for the whole Fantastic Four X-Men miniseries that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, very puzzled. Um, yeah. Not really thinking this is something we needed. Obviously, there's been some changes to characters and backgrounds through numerous points in Marvel history. Sure, this, this sure. Is nothing new. I mean, I, when it was taken out of Magneto's children were actually not Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Yep. And I I don't think that that's been fixed yet, but you I know that's don't com- think so. But you know that's coming. That's it's gonna be a matter of time. And when they did, um, you know, multiple changes too, where they've changed the background completely mm-hmm. to try making something fit. I mean, like Spider Man omit too. Yep. I mean, yep. like they've taken some chances where it works and it doesn't. I don't think it works here because Franklin Richards has always been tied into being a mutant for the dawn of time, mm-hmm. like since he's developed powers, and to take him out of this. I know that they can go back and retcon it, and I know that they probably are going to, but just kind of reading this at first glance, I'm like, why? Yeah, like this kind of just feels like, I don't know, like clickbait to me. Like that's just, that's just kind of how it reads. I'm just like, I don't get it, but we'll kind of have to wait and see the story because I think that they have something in the works that maybe will be revealed, oh, he's a mutant after all, and then this was all for nothing. Mm-hmm. But just kind of hear that story, I was like, ah, this is not really doing anything for me. I'm just going to yeah. put that out there, so... Kind of have to wait and see what they do in the future with it, but it's something worth checking out. And speaking of checking out at your comic shops, a lot of X-Men books coming out this week. Obviously, X of Swords is still happening, still going strong. You got X-Force 14 coming out, New Hellion. So they are tying in a lot more with that. But the book that caught my eye for most from Marvel mm-hmm. is Symbiote, Spider-Man, King in Black. So obviously they're tying into the big Venom sure. crossover. sure. So on this cover, you have Kang the Conqueror. Oh, boy. You have the Black Knight from Avengers slash Eternals fame. Uh-oh. Rocket Raccoon. Uh-oh. And Utah the Watcher. Hmm. I am intrigued by this because that is just a random mix of characters. It's a very, very wide cast of characters. Yeah. So that one might have to go take a peek at. And on the DC side of things, new Batman out, uh, which, I mean, what can you say about Tiny his run? Mm-hmm. He's absolutely been killing it. Uh, cover looks great. Ghostmaker versus Clown Hunter. Sign me up for. Uh, and then obviously Death Metal. Yeah. What do you need to say? Death Metal number five comes out. It 
there's no caption I need to say. That's no. Just, it's death metal. Go buy it. If you need more recommendations for your comics, hit up Cheers to Comics Podcast, Wednesday Pull List. There's so many good comic podcasts out there. You can definitely go check out before you hit the stores, but definitely go hit the stores and support them. Support local always. That being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Shout at the Robots, Pad. Mm-hmm. They have a Patreon. Oh. They have cool swag. Okay. Everybody should sign up for it. How do you sign up for that, you ask? You go over to the music section at ochoduropalear.com, and you can find all their links, as well as links for such great musicians as Tom Jolu, Floodland, Second Suitor, Brian Wolf, who's still doing his Patreon as well. Patreon's like the cool thing to do right now. Oh, okay. I don't know. Patreon, ODPH, uh, to be determined. But also on the ODPH website, because if it's going to be anywhere, it'll be there. You can also check out the directory, which has friends of the show. You can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. All of the pod groups we are in via their great pod chaser pages. So definitely go over there. Five star everything for everybody on Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, the Apocalypse, Alternate Reality Radio, and 607 Podcast. And you can also find links over to our friends over at 8122 Productions. And check out their Patreon as well, because Patreon's what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. All of that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Pat 1J. 175 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku. Enough said. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.